All right. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. My goodness. My goodness. Man, I love our church. I love our church. Real quick, can we just give it up for Pastor Jurgen and Leanne? We got some of, we got the best lead pastors in, in all the world. I'm telling you right now, we are so blessed uh, in this house. Um, and man, let's give it up for Rich. Rich, thank you so much for bearing your heart, man. That's powerful stuff. Give it up for, for Ben and Amy, service leading like bosses. You guys are attractive. You're amazing. I'm glad you're my friends. Uh, where's Chad at? Give it up for Chad Keddington. Come on. Devin, Devin, you're such a boss. Man, he's, uh, he's in security. He's in digital security. He picks locks. He programs computers. And he's a powerhouse in the kingdom of God. Thank you so much, Dev. Um, and uh, my goodness, my goodness. We also got uh, the one and only Ethan Jacobson in the house. Stand up, Ethan. Stand up, Ethan. Many of you remember, some of you don't. That is Ethan Jacobson, Chad and Amanda's son. He's in town visiting. And, uh, and man, I just want you to know, I just want you to know that, uh, that when God spoke to your parents and they came 12 years ago to Salt Lake City to originally plant this house, we are eternally grateful. Um, and, uh, and you have amazing parents. We love them. We love you. And we're glad that you're here. And uh, welcome back to Salt Lake for a few days, my friend. Give it up. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. Good, good, good. Give it up for the band. My goodness. Amazing. Good job, you guys. Thank you so much. I'll have you come back up here in, uh, in, a, little, in a little bit. This is, uh, we're continuing our series, our series on 24-hour witness, and, uh, and I've got a little cold, so you'll have to forgive me. The cold actually went into my eye a few days ago, and so I woke up with my eye just kind of glued shut, and, uh, and so I've got drops. I'm wearing, I'm wearing glasses. These aren't my smart glasses. These are my, uh, I can't wear contacts glasses. And, uh, and so um, I hope that I'm, I, you know, I don't think I'm contagious anymore, but hopefully the sermon is. Uh, because, because here's the thing, here's the thing, what I'm going to share with you this morning, it's not earth shattering. I'm not going to, you know, reveal some amazing truth that, that maybe you haven't read yet in scripture. This is kind of basic foundational stuff, but here's the thing, if it's contagious... If what we talk about for the next 30 minutes, if it's contagious, if it gets into your heart and then it gets into someone else's heart, it will change this valley. It'll turn it upside down for Jesus. And that is what I'm hoping for this morning. Can we pray? God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, this morning as we gather together and as we study, as we get into your word, Lord, let it change us. God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. We thank you, God, for the blessings. We thank you, God, for everything that you've put in front of us. God, we pray that we'd grab onto it. We'd live it. We'd live this life that you've called us to. We give it up to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Um, real quick also. If I could, I'm taking all of my time, uh, but I just want to give it up for my dad. Uh, give it up for Phil, Phil Craig. Thank you for being my dad. I wouldn't be the man I am without you. Um, and, uh, and just 
patiently loving me. Um, believe it or not, I was not always who I am today. Uh, there was a season in which I was a living hell. Um, and uh, you, were, you were such a good father. Uh, you continue to be a good father. I love you. And I just wanted to honor you this morning and say I love you so much. Give it up for my dad. Awesome. All right, I've got about 10 minutes, and I'm going to need about 40, so let's go. Um, so last spring, last spring I was playing, uh, I, w- I was in Florida hanging out with, uh, with Becca's parents, my, my mother and father-in-law, Nancy and Jeff. And, and before, before I get into this, it's important to say that I love them very much. I love Nancy and Jeff. They, they are so good to us. They are so good to me. They treat me as their own. Uh, they're generous. They're kind. And, uh, and I love them. That being said, that being said, they tried to teach me how to play cribbage. And many of I don't know if you know cribbage, like I, 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 listen, I typically pick up things pretty quickly, right? Like I'm pretty sure that if Florian was like, hey, I'll teach you drums, like I could pick it up, I'd be a freaking drummer in no time. That's not true. But like I, I typically do pick things up pretty quickly. And so when they were like, do you want to learn cribbage? I was like, for sure. And so I sat down to learn how to play cribbage. And this is the instruction. Here's your cards. And then I was like, Okay, and they're like, oh, yeah, 15-2, 15-4, 3 for 6, you got 12, move 12. And I'm like, wait. And they're like, what, what's in your crib? I'm like, what is a crib? Like, what, am I the big blind or the, I got I to gotta flush? Is that good? Like, I don't know, like, you know, where, I don't know what to do. What's the point of the game? Like, they wouldn't explain the point of the game. Becca and I both were so frustrated, right? We're like, we're like, Becca was in tears. She's like, I just don't know how to play. And they were like, what are you talking about? 15-2, 15-4, 3 for 6, you got 12, moved like, but what's the peg for? Like, what about how, I've never played a card game in which, like, I have a deck of cards and some other wooden, like, peg thing, and, like, I couldn't compute. I, like, I'm good at, like, I'm not good, but I play some Texas Hold'em. Like, I understand that concept. I play some rummy. Like, I get that. I had never played a game like this before, and they weren't explaining the objective. They weren't explaining how to score points. I didn't know how to win. I didn't know how to win, and so I was wanting to give up. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. You see, the reality is, is that it's important to understand the win. It doesn't matter if you're playing sports. It doesn't matter if you're playing a board game, if you're playing Monopoly. It doesn't matter if it's in your business or on a project. If you don't understand the win, it is incredibly frustrating, and you don't know what to do. Can I get an Amen. And I wonder how many Christians try to do this life of faith not understanding the win. We come to church and we do the thing and we sing the song and we read the book and we go to the place and we do the thing. And then at the end of the day, nobody ever explains to us how to win the game. And so we're just like, ah, I guess I'll just keep coming. Or I think that's what I'm supposed to do, right? That's the, that's the, that's the win. Just like, come. Okay. One of two things happen when we don't understand the win. All right, number one, we lose interest, right? We just lose interest altogether. We, we, we just decide that, well, we don't understand what this is all about. We lose interest. This happens in church all the time. It's why so many people come to church like once or twice a year, right? 
Because you, you lose interest. You're like, I, I don't honestly really understand even what, what I'm doing here. Like, I, I don't, it doesn't even really make sense to me. And if I'm honest with you, I found myself in a space just like that not too long ago. Or if I'm honest, the only real reason I came to church is because it was my job. I was just coming because I was supposed to come. I, I knew that there was more to it, but I had lost my why. I had forgot the objective. I had lost the sight of the win. When we lose sight of the win, everything starts to fall apart, and what happens is you end up just not really knowing why you're there in the first place, and you become disinterested. You become disinterested. Symptoms of losing sight of the win include but are not limited to feelings of not getting fed. Saying things like, this music is too loud. The music's not loud enough. I'm too close to the person next to me. There's nobody close to me. No one is talking to me. Everybody's talking to me. There are too many people around. Nobody said hi to me. I had to go all the way upstairs to check my kids in. The seats are too comfortable. The seats aren't comfortable enough. We come up with all of these different excuses. Because why? Because we're losing interest and we're trying to define why it is. We experience feelings of, you know, we, we go long periods of time without reading our Bible, long periods of time without praying. We miss a, a couple Sundays, which turns into a couple months, which turns into we haven't been to church in a really, really long time. We start to fall back into old habits, old lifestyles, and all of a sudden we're going, what am I what am I doing? And so we go then to a different church. And the cycle continues. It continues. Why? Because we've lost sight of our win. We have to understand the win, church. If we don't know what we're doing here, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so we're going to define that this morning. We're going to define it this morning. Second thing that happens um, Oh, this cold medicine has got my mouth dry. It's like I smoked a bunch of pot. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> we, uh, the other thing that happens, so we get disinterested. If we don't know the wind, we get disinterested. Also, we, we, we start making up rules. Oh, and religion is so good with this one, right? Some of you are going, he said pot. That's very, we can't say pot in church. I don't see, where is that? Religion chapter 4, verse 4. Like, I'm just saying, we make up the rules, right, because we're trying to find some sort of measuring stick. We're trying to get some sort of way to measure how we're doing because we've lost sight of what we're doing here in the first place. And so religion creeps in and it's like, oh, well, let's just make up some rules to keep you engaged, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, I've, oh, I've got 18 days on, on my, of a streak on my Bible reading plan. Look at me. I'm doing so good. And that's a good thing. But it's, listen, it's not the point. Oh, I've only missed, you know, four Sundays this year. Give me the gold star, Pastor. Listen, going to church is good, but friends, it's not the point. Because we have these different measuring sticks trying to figure out, are we doing a good job in this thing called Christianity? 
Are we doing it right? And so religion creeps in, which is, and sometimes it can motivate, right? And, 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 and that's when religion is really dangerous because now we're, we're full of pride and we're full of like accomplishment. Look at how good I am. I serve on three teams and I only miss church when I'm deathly ill, vomiting all over the place. And, and even then I come sometimes to get everybody sick, you know. <laughs> And we just feel so good about ourselves. Meanwhile, the outside world is going, you're kind of a prick. <laughs> right? <laughs> or the religion just causes shame and guilt. You're not that good. Who do you think you are? Who do you think? Oh, you haven't even read the Bible cover to cover? You don't even, you don't know like where the, where the book of Hosea is? It's very short. <laughs> We're going to have fun. You see, the reality, though, is that, that when we get to heaven, God is not going to ask us how many teams we served on. He's not going to ask us how many Bible verses we've memorized. He's not going to be interested with how, he's not interested with how many, you know, U-version plans we've been able to crank through. Those things are all good and necessary, friends, but they're not the point. It's not how you win at this thing called faith, at this thing called Christianity. There is more to it than that. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. This is a familiar verse. The context of this is that Jesus is, has lived his, his life. He's, he's had his three years of ministry. He, he died on the cross for our sins, and then he rose from the dead, and then he hangs out and parties for a while, eats a bunch of fish. He shows up to a bunch of people, and, and it's all you know fun. He's drinking wine. He's eating, and everything's great. And then this is the very last thing that Jesus does. The very last thing that he does, the very last thing that he imparts, the very last commandment that he gives to his disciples, he says this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty clear this is the win. We don't need to be sitting here wondering, God, I just need to know what you want me to do. He's like, I told you. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, like, how, listen, my kids, <laughs> like, I'm like, clean your room. They go in their room, their room is a disaster. I'm like, I told you to clean the room, right? I go in there, I'm like, why are you not cleaning? I don't know what to do. How about you clean, I just, you clean your room. Like, that's what, you, like, it's clear. I think it's clear. Is it not clear? <laughs> I think that oftentimes we're like, God, just tell me what to do. And he's like, but I told you, go and make disciples. That's what you're here to do. I just, I, I just feel like I just need more. I just need more direction. I just need more. Like, what am I supposed to do, God? Why am I here? He's like, go and make disciples. Go and make. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his disciples. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples, and he tells them, go and make disciples. He says, go reproduce yourself. Go make more of you, right? And that probably included some, you know, marriage stuff, but it was much deeper than that. A couple people got that. It's funny, <laughs> right? But, it, it, but really, it was, it was <laughs> Lilo just got it. He's single, everybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> he says, go and make disciples. So what is the point? Listen, the point is we are to be disciples who make disciples. That's the win. That's the goal. It's all summed up. It's very, clean. it's very plain. It's very simple. We are to make disciples. We are to be disciples who make disciples. It's not complicated. We need to stop overcomplicating it, and we need to simply obey. I think sometimes we complicate it because we don't want to obey. Just throwing that out there. It's important to realize a few things that he did not say. First of all, he did not say go and make Christians. You might argue, well, Vince, that's because Christian was not in vocabulary yet. That didn't happen until later on in Acts chapter 10 or something, where they, they, they called the disciples followers of the way or Christians because they were Christ-like. That's when that happened, but it was, they were disciples. They were disciples. He says, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make believers or make Christians. It's an important distinction because a disciple is not someone who just simply believes in Jesus. I think that there's a lot of Christians who are Christians, but they're not disciples. There's a lot of Christians who are Christians, but aren't disciples. And so it's important that we, that we really nail down what is, is we can say, okay, we're supposed to be a disciple and we're supposed to make disciples. That sounds great, Vince, but really what is a disciple? What is that? We have to be able to clearly define that, right? Well, a disciple is somebody who, you know, loves Jesus and wants to make him known. Okay. You know, a disciple is somebody who reads their Bible 15 times a day and blah, 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 blah. Like, what is a disciple? For me, personally, I think I could come up with some really good language and kind of help you, you know, understand what a disciple is. But I would much rather just go to God's Word because I think that it's, it's the best place to do that. So John 15, John chapter, some people are like, yeah, please read the Bible. John chapter 15, starting in the first verse. Uh, you can follow along on the screen or in your own Bible. I use the NLT, not because I like it, just because, well, I do like it, but mostly because I have a fourth grade reading level, so. <laughs> it's not that bad. All right. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by my message I have given to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit for apart from me you can you are you can do nothing anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch that withers such branches will be gathered into a pile and be burned ouch verse 7 but if you remain in me and my words remain in you you will ask for anything you want and it will be granted i like that verse verse number 8 when not what I'm going to preach on, by the way, but I like it. When you produce much fruit, verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. This brings me great, jo this brings me great gl glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit. So a true disciple is somebody who produces much fruit. 
Let me say that again. A true disciple is somebody who does what? Produces much fruit. The title of my sermon this morning is The Fruit Loop. We can reuse that one for kids' church. I like that. <laughs> the Fruit Loop. <laughs> Literally, that, that title came to me and I said, get behind me, Satan. I'm not using that one. <laughs> but then God said, no, that's me. That's what you're going to use. I said, okay. Notice he didn't say, he didn't say uh, you know, you're my true disciple when you become a pastor. He didn't say you're my true disciple when you begin to travel the world and, and, and begin to preach the word of God. He didn't say you're my true disciple when you, when you have a master's degree in doctrine and theology. Hmm. He didn't say that you're my true disciple when you begin to go on missions trips and disciple the nations. He didn't say that you're my true disciple when, when you've memorized all of Jeremy Camp's songs. He didn't say that you're my true disciple when you have a perfect but not or when you have a forgiven not perfect bumper sticker on your car. He didn't say you're my true disciple when you look like a Christian. He says you're my true disciple when you produce much fruit. Listen, all of those things are good. None of those things are bad. We should desire, I mean, I don't know about Jeremy Camp, he's fine, but we should desire these different things, but listen, none of that is the point. That none of that is the goal. None of that is the win. What is the win is that we are disciples who make disciples, and we are a disciple when we produce much fruit. When we produce much fruit. Vince, what is this fruit that you're talking about? Apples and oranges and plums? <laughs> I had to hold back. I had things I was going to say I didn't. What are these fruits? What are these fruits? Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit, ooh, mm, I just love, we're going to come back to that, but let me just say that one more time. But the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit. This is the fruit that God is talking about. This is, the, this is the much fruit that he's referring to. He says the Holy Spirit, when, when God is in you, the, the result then is that you're going to have fruit. We as Christians, we should be disciples who make disciples. We're a disciple when we bear much fruit. What is that fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says there is no law against these things. You receive Jesus into your life, into your heart, into, and then his, his, the presence of God then resides in you, and the product of that is fruit. You see, you receive the love of the Father. 
We sang about it, this, this love that we don't deserve, this love that we can't earn, this love that's quite frankly scandalous and totally like inappropriate, the amount of love that God has for us. He loves us so much. And so as a Christ follower, as someone who is in Christ, we have so much love from our Father that we can't help but have love, that we begin to produce love that we begin to have this fruit on our lives that is, that is love. The joy of the Lord. Man, there's something about the joy of the Lord. See, I've been through some dark seasons. I've had days where things just weren't going my way. I've had moments in life where I had, I, I, if I'm honest, I said, God, what are you doing? But I will tell you one thing, his faithfulness is so good because no one can steal my joy because it comes from the Father and it is, surpasses anything that can happen in my life. And that joy that I have from my Father in heaven is a fruit. There's joy. There's, yeah, I, it's like I'm a, I almost like, you know, I was like, how can I get a fruit tree up in here? I was like, and then I, you know, unfortunately I thought about that last night, so I didn't, I didn't pull that together, but <laughs> joy should be a part of, a part of our, of our Christian faith, this fruit that we have, this peace, this patience, this goodness, this faithfulness, this gentleness, this self-control, these are things that people should see evident in our life. And it says against these things there's no law. Essentially what he's saying is that these things are good for everyone. Everybody wants it. Do you find it interesting that not everybody wants Jesus? I wonder why. I wonder why. Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, thank you, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no love. You've never met anybody that after you, they were so loving and so kind, you're like, oh my gosh, that person just loves so well. Get out of here. I just feel so loved when I'm around them. Get out. I just can't stand them. They just make me feel all accepted. Gross. When I'm around them, I just feel good. I mean, ugh. Like, that doesn't happen. Nobody will ever say that. Nobody will ever say that. Nobody will ever say, oh, man, every time I'm around them, I just feel better. I never want to be around them again. I just feel joyful. I don't even know why. I'm like, get out of here. Like, man, every time I hang out with Quinnell, I just, like, I just, like, feel so much joy. Like, I'm not hanging out with that cat anymore. Like, like, like no. Nobody would ever say, oh, they're so patient with me. I just can't handle it. Get away from me. You and your patience, gross. Right? Against these things, there is no law. He's saying that all of these things are good. In fact, they are all things that our world is desperately hungry for. And so the question, church, listen, the question is why then is the world not hungry for God? Why is, there, why is the world not hungry for God? Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit the things that, that we should be bearing in our life, that they're all good, that they're all what everybody wants. And so I wonder where the breakdown might be. Just real quick, to go back, it says the Holy Spirit produces this fruit. This is important. 
This is really good because I think that oftentimes as Christians, we try too hard. We try way too hard. We're walking around with a stick up our butt. I love you with the love of the Lord. If you walk like this, I'm not making fun of you personally, but... I'm just, you know, just so stressed out trying to, like, live for Jesus. I'm just trying to be faithful over here. <laughs> Do not put that on social media. <laughs> I run around like a bunch of constipated Christians. It's no wonder. Just stop trying so hard. It says the Holy Spirit produces that fruit. It's his job to produce that fruit. All we got to do is like a tree be planted somewhere in the fertile soil and allow, the, and allow the heaven to come down in our life, allow ourselves to soak in the rays of the sun that are found in God's word, and then what will happen is the Holy Spirit will produce this fruit. It's natural. Have you ever seen an orange tree be like, <gasps> I just couldn't try to get it. Look, it doesn't work. This is not how it works. The orange juice is like, oh. That's why they taste so good. They're just juicy and nice and. Like we should, like, be, like we should be Christians that are just kind of like. This should look easy. This should be easy. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit doing the work, not us. All right. This should be the fruit that is evident in our life. The Bible will say that you will know my disciples by their what? Their fruit. Their fruit. I think a lot of times as Christians, we have this kind of like, this like bag of tools that we have. And it's like, okay, I'm going to, I got the tracks. I've got, you know, I, I, I've got the apologetics on lock. Like I've got, I've got all this stuff. And then we just walk around like hucking things at people. Like, uh, here, uh, here's some truth. Let me, let me just tell you about Jesus. And people are like, ow, why, what are you doing? Guys, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> We're doing it wrong. If, if we're doing it right, there should be a very natural ease as we begin to just soak in the presence of our Father and He begins to produce fruit in our life. And that fruit is attractive. That fruit is desirable. That fruit is really what our world is hungry and starving for. And we have to ask ourselves, why aren't they finding it at the church? The Bible says, taste and see that I'm good. Can people taste Jesus on you? Do they get a sense of who Jesus is when they're around you? Do they get a, do they get a, do they hang out with you and then like, 
are we showing them the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness? Are we, you know, are, when we're on the freeway and someone cuts us off, do we have the self-control? It's why we don't have, you know, C3 Church bumper stickers, because we don't want you all to have that on your car. We don't trust you yet. <laughs> we don't trust you with that yet. <laughs> we got some work to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I did the church thing. I was a church rat. Mom was in the choir. I was there on Wednesdays. I was there all day on Sundays. I was there other days. I had Wednesdays. I was in youth group. I did the church thing. I had the church thing down. You know what I'm saying? I knew when to raise my hand. I knew where to stand up. I knew the words to the song. I went to Christian private school, Right? We sing a song, Romans 18, 19 says, be innocent, remember, of what is good. This is not in my notes. <laughs> and the God of peace will soon crush Satan. God will crush him Ooh, underneath our feet. It was awesome. The whole, the whole place would shake as everyone stomped on the serpent, the enemy. It was fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> I knew how to do church. But I lost the why. I lost the win. So I began to be disinterested. I began to, to, to not go. Next thing I knew, I am neck deep, which isn't that high. I was swimming. I was swimming in drugs and alcohol abuse. I was, I was off the rails completely off the rails, but how good is our God? He continued to chase after me and chase me and chase me until finally, until finally I found myself in the house of God again. And it was actually a sermon that Ethan's dad, Chad, was preaching. I honestly don't remember even what he said, but it was in a service much like this. And I remember I sat in the back and I thought, I need to have this relationship with Jesus yet again. And so I raised my hand and I received Christ and, and, God, and God rejuvenated me and, and healed my heart. And, but here's the thing. It wasn't, oh, now my wife left. That sucks. That's okay. I'm not going to wait. I'm out of time already, I think. Rich stole all my time, so. It was worth it. But it really wasn't until I met this girl who had abundant love and abundant joy and abundant goodness and kindness and self. This girl was what I, I was like, now, okay, she's pretty and all these things, that's great, but there, there was something about her and I began to, I, that drew me to her. 16 months or so later, I married her. I'm just saying, if you, listen, if you're looking for a spouse, you want to be in this house, okay? <laughs> all right. Let's go. I'm a rapper. All right. I only have a few minutes, so let's get down to why we don't bear fruit. I can tell you all day long about how we need to bear fruit, we need to bear fruit, but why don't we? What stops us? Let's go back, John 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. The first reason why we don't bear fruit is because we are afraid of getting pruned. Now, I'm not a botanist, all right? I, I, I had to look up that word to make sure it actually was the right word, but I, 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 I don't do plants. I don't do that thing. I, I You know, it's... I had a plant. It was on our porch. My mom got it for us. She said, just water it twice a day. It was dead in a week. Like, we don't know. That was when we were pregnant with our first, and we're like, oh, gosh, we're like, how are we going to keep a kid alive? We can't even keep a plant alive. But the thing that I understand about a fruit tree is that you've got to prune its branches so that it will produce fruit. And I'm telling you right now, church, you see, you can be a Christian that's got a lot of foliage but no fruit. A lot of green, real nice to look at, kind of shady. But if you don't have any fruit, you're doing it wrong. And the only way that you're going to bear fruit is if you allow God's word to cut some things off of you. You see, many of us are like, oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I love the Bible. I love, but not that part. I'm just going to pretend whoop, just going to pretend that part doesn't. I don't understand that part. I don't like that part. I wish it didn't say that. But listen to me, this is how the Holy Spirit begins to cut some things off in your life. And this is the only way that you're going to bear fruit is if you allow God's word to to prune you a bit. You also then have to submit yourself to somebody who's physically here. Somebody who can evaluate you, look at you, someone that you're going to be real and vulnerable with and take some, take some shears to your life and say, hey, Ben, I, I love you, brother, but I've seen something that I need to, uh, we need to address here. And guess what? When, I, when that begins to happen, guess what Ben's first reaction is going to be? Run away. He's going to say, uh-uh. That hurts. I don't like that. I, because guess what? When someone begins to cut at you, guess what? It means you're going to lose something. We don't like to lose stuff. That's scary. We don't, we don't know if that's going to hurt. How's that going to feel? And so, so often, we allow the fear of the pruning to stop us from producing fruit. Listen, friends, if you want to be a disciple that produces much fruit, you've got to be discipled. And the only way that's going to happen is if you allow some things to be cut away, and that is going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to want to leave. But listen, if you want to bear fruit, it has to happen. It has to happen. Old thoughts, old mindsets, habits, addictions, those things have to go away so that you can produce the fruit that God would have you produce. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. One, one thing, this, I think so often we're so afraid, we're, it's just the self-preservation. Each of us have it imprinted in our heart. We have this desire of self, to self-preserve, self-preserve, thank you. That's what I was trying to say, <laughs> words. We have this desire to self-preserve, and, and, and listen, you cannot allow that to get in the way of your pruning. This is why Jesus would say, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. All right, let's keep going. The second, second reason we don't produce fruit is that we are consumers rather than producers. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to take the love 
and the joy and the peace and the patience that my pastor and my community supply for me, but I'm not going to produce anything. We live in a consumer culture. And if we allow that mentality to resonate and to, to be a part of our Christian walk, then the church will die. The church will die. The band can come up or somebody. Otherwise, I'm going to go too long. It's already 12.05. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> this lie has crept into the church that, that we are just to consume that we're going to consume, that we're going to consume, that we're going to consume, that we're going to consume. We just eat the fruit, eat the fruit, eat the fruit, eat the fruit. And the lie that we've been fed is that this is how it's supposed to be. And, and, and a lot of times the church, like, doesn't even realize that it's, it's actually enabling that. Ooh, I've got the good stuff. Oh, check out what God gave me. Let me give it to you. The Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life in your life. He talks to you just like he talks to me, just like he talks to Pastor Jurgen. Just talk listen to me. It is listen, it is our job as leaders and pastors to feed you on a Sunday morning, but listen to me. It is your job to feed yourself on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's your job and this is how we produce our own fruit. Otherwise, all you're ever doing is eating fruit, eating fruit, eating eating fruit. Again, I'm not a botanist, but thing I've, the thing I've noticed about fruit is that every fruit has seeds. Every fruit has seeds. This is how this is supposed to work. You see, I receive the love of my Father. He then produces love in my life. I then give that love to somebody else. They then encounter Jesus, have a radical encounter with him, and then they then begin to produce their own fruit, and they then share it with somebody else. Who's, this is how we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Listen to me. We are not called to make believers. We are called to make producers. We're called to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is not just a little garden. This is supposed to be an orchard. This is supposed to be an orchard where the fruit of the Spirit is so evident and alive on our life that the people around us are like, oh, that's the love I've been looking for. That's the joy I've been looking for. That's the kindness I've been looking for. You say, listen to me, as God in his kindness saved me from my sin, and we say, listen, I can give you that same kindness, and then they take a bite of that, and they see that it is good, and then they get into the word of God, and they see that it is good, and begin to produce their own fruit, and this is how it happens. See, it is a fruit loop. <laughs> it's a fruit loop. It's a cycle. If we don't produce fruit that produces fruit that produces fruit, the church will die. You see, this house is going to be a house, is a house that produces fruit. And if it produces fruit, then it's going to grow but not just butts in the seat, but trees bearing fruit. 
disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples all bearing healthy fruit our valley is starving for real authentic things of God and I just wonder can we be a church that bears the fruit that this valley so desperately needs I'm going to end I'm going to end with this You see, you can't bear fruit unless you're in Christ. He says, I'm the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This morning, maybe you're like, I mean, I don't, I don't have, I, I don't know where to start. You're like me trying to play cribbage, and you're just like, 15, 2, 15, 4, 3 for 6? What are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. If we remain in him and he in us, then we will produce fruit. It starts with Jesus. It doesn't start at a church. It doesn't start with a mindset. It doesn't start with anything except for Jesus. He is the vine. And so I wonder if there's anybody in this place that's not a part of the vine. I wonder if there's anybody in this place who's, who's not in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. And the Holy Spirit will begin to do a work in you. That heaven would begin to pour down into your life. And from that, you would begin to produce fruit. And so if you're in this place, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, all across this room, if there's even one, I just want you to raise your hand nice and high. If there's anybody at all. If there's anybody at all. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right, can we all pray this with me? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Lord, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. The first type of fruit that we should have in our life is inner fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The second fruit that we should have in our life is people. There should be evidence. One of the things that somebody told me once is I was an aspiring leader. They said, Vince, are you a leader? I said, yeah, I think so. Is anybody following you? You're not a leader if nobody's following you. And the fruit of the Spirit is so impactful and it is so desirable that if you are producing it, there will be people receiving it. So the second part of this is where are the people? Who is it that you are giving that fruit to? Don't be like in a biodome 
I'm just trying to bear fruit. Hopefully I don't lose it. I don't want the insects to get it. There is a starving world out there who wants, who needs the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the self-control. Church, let's bear fruit. Let's bear fruit. Let's bear fruit. I'm going to dismiss this if that's okay. Can we raise our hands toward heaven? Say, Jesus, thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit on me now. God, begin to produce fruit in my life. Begin to prune what needs to be pruned that I might bear much fruit. We thank you. We love you. Everybody said amen. Amen. I love you. Thanks for being here, you guys.